0: 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What, what will you
1: Well, amen. We're uh, still in the uh, midst of our uh, study talking about uh, <clears throat> making choices. And so um, let's go ahead and continue that. We're going to go ahead and kind of catch you up just a little bit. Five questions we started a few weeks ago, five questions to ask when faced with a decision. And uh, we already talked about a couple of them. Number one, we said, Does it violate clear teachings of the Bible? Does it violate clear teachings of the Bible? We do know that uh, in 2 Timothy that the Bible tells us that the Word of God is is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We said that doctrine is what is right, that reproof is what is wrong. The correction is how to get right, and finally, instruction is how to stay right. And so we know that the Word of God offers us some pretty clear teachings and gives us some real tremendous insights. And so, if we're going to make the kind of decisions we ought to make that's going to honor Christ and ultimately end well for us, then we better make sure it doesn't violate clear teachings of the Bible. We also said, number two, we asked the question, does it violate my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Obviously, we know that Christ takes up residency in our life the moment we come to Jesus Christ. And You know, once he does that, he's living inside of us, and we have been bought with a price. Therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. So, we're not our own anymore. We're his, and we're his property. And so, when we start thinking about making decisions, we need to ask Does it violate my body as the temple of the Holy Ghost? Not only am I a temple, I'm a bought and paid for piece of property. But literally God himself lives inside me and therefore the decisions I make affect him directly and it's very imperative and important then that we make the right kind of decisions. And so those are the two questions we've already discussed and already dealt with. And tonight I want to ask this question now as we consider some questions to ask when faced with a decision. Number three, does it cause another Christian to stumble? Does it cause another Christian to stumble? So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll pick up right there. All right, Father. Again, it is our great pleasure and privilege to gather here tonight. Father, I know our time is limited. I pray, Lord, that you'd just fill me with your Spirit, and may I, Father, truly be uh, your mouthpiece. May I be a tool in your hand to be a blessing to the people of God. Lord, I have nothing to give this Thy people except you give it me first, and I'm praying you'll fill me with your Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that you would just anoint every listening ear as well, that we would hear with spiritual ears. Now, Father, guide us, and Father, take the Word of God, and Father, truly just drive it home into our hearts, and may we glean and ultimately grow from it. We pray, Father, for your leadership now. Be glorified in all that's said and done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Does it cause another Christian to stumble? Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 13, tonight. <clears throat> we're going to pretty much just stick right here and get this question out there and consider it. That'll be the end. It won't take long an hour, hour and a half. Should be fine. No, <laughs> we're going to move quick, okay? Notice what it says in Romans 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 13, the Bible says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, in this particular case and in the the situation that we find ourselves in in Romans 14, the Apostle Paul, he is addressing an issue that's transpiring, taking place in the church, and There were those that were eating meat that had been offered to idols and felt no aversion to it whatsoever. They had no problem with it, while there were others, though, that wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And the battle lines were drawn, and I'm sure that there were those who were not eating the meat that was offered to idols that kind of felt that those that were eating the meat probably weren't quite as spiritual as they were. On the other hand, those that did eat the meat offered to idols probably looked at some of those that didn't eat it as being uninformed, maybe intolerant, or even judgmental, which is really judging as well. So God's people, as we recognize and understand, not just in our day and age, but all the way back, even in the day of the Apostle Paul, can be very quick to condemn and to criticize one another, can't we? The apostle points out that we're going to answer to the Lord one day for our actions and for our attitudes even, and spending time judging one another really isn't that awfully productive. Now from time to time we can be so occupied with other people's sins that we conveniently overlook our own. Uh, We probably all could Uh, remember times in our own lives maybe where we found ourselves a little too preoccupied with other people and not enough with our own lives. On the other hand, I'm sure that everybody, sadly enough, can think about somebody that, well, immediately they're going, oh, I know somebody like that. Well, that already is, you know, proof positive that we're pretty prone to judge. Now, again, there can be a number of negative situations transpiring in the church and paul the apostle is addressing this one and when we're going to make decisions we're going to realize and recognize that there's a higher criteria by which we are to um focus or address our energies at, toward than simply um, what's best for us now again why are we so prone to judge You know, you think about that. Why are we? I mean, it's taking place way back then. It's taking place now. It happens. Let's be honest. It happens. But why are we so prone to judge? And by by the way, let me just be very clear. I don't know that I addressed it anywhere else, but it's not, I'm not talking about where there's areas of clear sin taking place. That's not, that's not judging anymore. Okay. It's not me judging you uh, to say, oh, you're, uh, you know, you're a thief. Don't judge me. Well, you're in prison for stealing. Okay, that, that's not really judging, okay? You, you get where I'm going with that? I mean, you know, so, so we have to be careful here. We're not talking about that. In this case, that somebody's eating some meat offered to idols while others were not eating that same meat. <clears throat> and so what is really going on here? Why are we so prone to judge? Well, it's really in our nature, though. That it is. Our sinful nature, that is, right? Our pride is at the root of all of it. Now, most want to believe that their way is the right way. You know, and that makes us feel good about ourselves. But too often we convince ourselves our way is the only way. I mean, everybody has to be just like me or they can't be spiritual, right? I mean, isn't that really what we're dealing with sometimes in our lives? I mean, if you're not like me, then obviously there's room for improvement. And if there's room for improvement, then you haven't attained to the level that I have spiritually. That's kind of how we go, isn't it? Now, in this case, Paul is directed by the Holy Spirit to take this issue to higher ground. Instead of defining one as being right and the other wrong, something God had not done, by the way. He raises the bar for both. He doesn't just point out one and say, well, you know, Honestly, that one's a little bit more spiritual than that one. Or, or if I were you, I do. God did not make a judgment on that. God didn't come down and say, if you eat meat uh, offered to idols, then <clears throat> that's, that's sinful. That's wrong. You need to change that behavior. God never did that. The people of God were making those distinctions in that judgment. And so, in that particular case, now they find themselves at odds. They find themselves going at each other when God has not yet defined whether or not that was right or wrong. In this case, it's, if you will, it's in a place where God has yet to deal with it or address it. And so, the Apostle Paul, under direction of the Holy Ghost, raises the whole issue to a higher level, brings it to higher ground. And he says, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to define what's right and wrong. What we're going to do is that God says he's going to raise the bar for you and he's going to raise the bar for you and it's not going to just be focused at you or focused at you. It's focused at both of you. So instead of judging one another, judge this rather, he says, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. He's saying, how about we stop criticizing and condemning each other and instead judge ourselves? Wait a second. He says, wait, I'll tell you what, place the attention on our own actions, our own attitudes and our own outlook. As a matter of fact, judge our own actions in light of how they may be impacting others around us. Not just as what I'm doing right or wrong, but as what I'm doing impacting someone else for right. Right. Or wrong does what you are doing build up or tear down another person does it injure their conscience does it cause them to question the faith does it place some unnecessary temptation in their pathway does it lead them into sin that's what I want you to judge how about you take your eyes off of him who's eating the meat offered to idols? How about you take your eyes off of that person who's not eating the meat offered to idol? And how about you put it on yourselves and ask yourselves, is what I do and how I live and what I'm saying and doing and going and all the things that are involved in that? Do, how do they affect everyone else around me? He's raised the bar, see? He said, take your eyes off each other and put them on others, yes, but not the way you've been putting them on others. Not to point out weaknesses in others, but instead to ensure others are not becoming weak because of your actions. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, please. <clears throat> we are so wired as human beings to want to be right because being right gives us a sense of pride, doesn't it? And we want to believe that everybody else should attain to our standard. It's a, it is, it's a natural thing, but it is a, it's an atomic nature. <laughs> it's, you know. Now again, I mean, there are some things that are right and wrong. I mean, I'll be frank with you, if somebody comes walking in the church right now in a bikini, <clears throat> especially if it's a guy, I'm really freaking out. <clears throat> All right? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't think this is appropriate in here, okay? Now you say, you judging me? No, it's not really appropriate here. You know, I don't know if you're a guy wearing that. It's appropriate anywhere, for sure, without a doubt. But, but the point just being is, is, that, is that that just wouldn't be the time or the place. And it wouldn't be a matter of judging. It's just, I mean, discretion, good common sense, I think. But there's a lot of things. Somebody walks in the door tonight, and they don't have a tie on. Wait a second now, don't think that stuff don't happen. Where's your tie? (laughs) If he was spiritual, he'd have a tie on. Well, maybe he just got off work and ran in and he didn't even have time to go home. I don't know what the problem is. Now, if he's in the choir, you better have a tie on because that's the standard. That's different. Hey, you want to come? No. Hey, go borrow one from Dean or something. I'm sure he keeps a tie around here. I think him and maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Brother Josh does too. I don't know. I used to keep extra ties around, but you know, I gave them all away, I think. <laughs> but no, something like that could happen, but that's not a matter of being spiritual because you, you, you couldn't get your tie on, right? Come on. I'm just saying, sometimes if we're not careful, we lose sight of what's really what really matters. Okay? Now, again, I, I'm not saying that go ahead, don't stop wearing your ties to church. I, I hope you keep wearing them, especially if your teachers and stuff, your youngsters in your classes really do look up to you, and I think that they'd be surprised if they didn't see you in your tie. And it might affect their attitude toward you as a teacher. I remember one time, and I'm just going to say this, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to move on because of time. But let's move on. <clears throat> but, but those things can be important, but then on the other hand, sometimes we look at people in the wrong way. Notice what it says in Philippians two three through five. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Philippians two three through five. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Goes on to say, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now I want to point out this idea, this thought. Let nothing be done through what he say, strife and or he should I should say, vain glory. Now, first mention of strife. If you look up the first mention of strife in the entire Bible, you know where it goes back to? Genesis chapter 13. You say, where's that? You know, remember how we kicked off the entire series here? We were in Genesis 13. It's talking about Lot and Abram. And Lot also, verse 5, which, uh, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. See, a strife. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land, and Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. That's where we see the first mention of strife. Now, that word strife has to do with contention for superiority. Contention for superiority. Now, we're not talking about, you know, a friendly game of checkers. You know, a competition, a friendly competition. That's not what we're talking about. Well, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to be better at you than than, uh, checkers or chess. That's not what we're getting at here. But in this case, we have herdsmen, and here they are. They're striving for superiority. No, that's, that's. you know what? We're stronger than you. We're better than you. We're going to take over. This is our part, part of the land. This is where we belong. You go over there. No, go ahead. Try it. There were, there were some things taking place there. There was some contention for superiority. And in, then he goes on to say, or vainglory. It's only used in the book of Philippians chapter 2, right where we've been at. That's the only place it's used, and it's, it means exclusive vanity excited by one's own performances. You know what they say? Empty pride, basically. Because this is how, you know, I sing, and I'm a better singer than others. Right? Okay, so I see, I see exclusive vanity excited by one's own performances. Wait a second. So what he's saying really then is this. Don't let anything be done in order to elevate yourself above others or because you believe yourself to be superior to others. What we see is that strife pulls other people down while vainglory puts yourself up. So both strife and vainglory produce discord in the local church. And according to the book of Proverbs chapter 6, we know without a doubt that God hates discord among the brethren; He hates it. Before we go around pointing out everybody's ins- uh, the, pointing everybody's insufficiencies, identifying those that are much less spiritual than we are, we need to think about how that's going to affect the body. And if it brings discord in the body, I think I'd be real careful before I started pointing fingers, because God hates those that bring discord. You better make sure it's a biblical issue that we're addressing and dealing with and not a personal preference. He goes on to say, <clears throat> here in the passage, he makes it clear. He says, and, and I'm talking about Philippians, let nothing be done through strife and glory. And he goes on then to say, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Wow. Wow. That's something. So now, not only to look at other people as equals, he say, "No, I'm to, in a sense, esteem them or consider them better than me." You know what that means. You know how practical that could be. That could be like when we go upstairs for an after a fellowship after the service, and there's there's uh, all the chocolate cake on the table, and you like chocolate better than you like vanilla. And it comes down to by the time you get up there, there's a piece of chocolate, and there's all kind of vanilla, and you think, I want that chocolate, and about three of you are racing over toward it. And you know what it really means? You stop and say, you know what? Go ahead, fellas, go ahead, ladies. It's usually the ladies. But anyway, <laughs> no, I, did I just say that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Well, I did mean it. But anyway, I I gotta be careful because I am in church. Can't lie. I've just been to some of those ladies' events cleaning up, and let me tell you, they've already cleaned up. But anyway, I'm sorry, but anyway, the truth hurts. I'm sorry, moving on, moving on. I'm a preacher of truth, my friend. Uh, so, so anyway, and let others esteem others better than self, all right? All right. And then he goes on to say, Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Boy, what a powerful passage that is. And so the Apostle Paul's saying, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now some people live with this mindset of like, You know, I can do anything if I want. I can do anything if I want. I mean, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? But the reality is that everything we do in some way influences or affects others. The Bible says in the book of Romans, again, chapter 14, verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So whether we want to admit it or not, our actions and our attitudes always overflow onto others. Now, back in, in 1928, <clears throat> it's been a few years ago, in 1928, there was a young man who fell into a Massachusetts lake. And I can never say that right, so don't make fun of me. <laughs> Another young man saw it happen, and he heard the scream. Help! I can't swim! Help! <clears throat> the young The the young person on the shore, who was a good swimmer, mind you, simply sat and watched and did nothing as the other person slipped under the water for the last time and died. In the lawsuit which followed, the court ruled that the young man on the shore had no legal responsibility to try to save the drowning boy's life. That ruling became the locus classicus, they called it the legal precedent for all such cases which have followed. That's what the law says. You can't be sued. You cannot be penalized for not coming to the aid of someone in need. Now, you may may not be legally responsible to assist or aid somebody fighting for their life, but that doesn't mean your inaction has no consequences. See, the young man may have thought, you know, I'm not taking a chance on saving that guy's life because I could possibly drown in the process. Which he possibly could. He may have thought, you know what, I don't want to get involved or it's really not my problem. I think I'll just worry about myself today. Or maybe he thought, you know, I'm not hurting anybody by what I'm doing or not doing. That's not my, I mean, I didn't do anything. I wasn't stupid enough to go out there in that water. It's on him. It's not on me. I didn't do it. Ah, I see. But that really wouldn't be true. See, there's going to be a mother. will be a dad or a grandparent or sibling or family member or friend that's going to be directly affected by the loss of that young man. So many others are going to be affected due to that one decision because you more than likely could have or possibly could have saved that life. Yes, there's a chance you might have drowned with him. I get it. But the fact is you got to try to do something. But when you chose to do nothing, it affected and impacted a number of other people. <clears throat> Each of our decisions impacts multiple people. It's just all there is to it. I'm not hurting anybody by what I'm doing or, or possibly not doing. The truth is that every choice we make affects others. That's all there is to it. Now see, some things that we do may not be sinful. But they can be a cause for other Christians to sin. They can create something in the mind of another to ultimately lead them down a path that's negative and ultimately leads even to sin. I want you to think about this question. What may not be sinful, but could become a stumbling block to a weaker believer? What may not be sin, it's not sinful, but what could possibly become a stumbling block to a weaker believer? Now that principle has been an instrument, or should I say it's been instrumental in, in my life, in a number of situations, I find myself thinking, okay, well, you know, I, I look at where I stand as a pastor. I consider myself as a father, as a, a husband and uh, so forth and all these different positions, now a grandparent. And I think to myself, okay, um, I guess before I choose to do something or say something or go somewhere or be with certain people, I would better give some thought as to how it's going to impact and influence others. See, that's the principle that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across. And, and, and so I think to myself, what are some, ide- some, some examples? Well, I still remember a, a number of years ago, probably 15 years ago, or 14 years ago, or something in that range, uh, 10 to 15 years ago, I was playing basketball uh, on a league. I met, we met one night a week, and, and uh, uh, these guys were all younger guys, okay? I was in my late 40s and uh, they were probably in their early 20s and mid-20s and oldest 30, and and I was playing with them, and uh, they were, uh, you know, amazed at my agility and my ability, and, you know, I didn't start, of course, but but I did, but I, but I played. They were amazed, okay, that I would even go there. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> the fact is, is that I still remember playing, and and, and and we would be a devotion, right? You'd have a devotion at the beginning and all that stuff, and, and, and the guys, um, sometimes I would do a devotion, sometimes somebody else would and so forth. But I remember them saying, hey, listen, we're going to all meet and we're going to all go to Buffalo Wild Wing. After, after the game, we're all going to Buffalo Wild Wing. Now, now listen, if you go to Buffalo Wild Wing, that's between you and the Lord, okay? But I got to thinking about that and I, got, and I asked myself, what is Buffalo Wild Wing? I didn't really know at the time what that was, 100%, to be frank with you. I'd never been there. And I started asking my one friend, uh, who, uh, one fellow who at the time was coming to the church, and, and Jeff said, hey, uh, that's like a sports bar. It's kind of a sports bar place. You can go get chicken. Uh, you can go get wings and, and uh, stuff like that. And I thought, man, I love wings. And, and uh, he said, but, but there's TVs all around, and, and, and people go there and watch the game, and they usually drink some beers and blah, 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 blah. It's kind of a sports bar. And I said, it's kind of a sports bar. You, 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 you think of it as a bar? He said, well, yeah. And I got thinking about that. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I can go then. Because I got thinking, you know what? I, I got thinking, you know what? I don't want people to think it's okay to go to what? Bars. I, I didn't want people to think that. And you say, well, I don't have a problem with it. Hey, that's, that's your business, okay? The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay. It doesn't. And, and you can say, well, ah, you go to a place that serves alcohol and eat dinner. I, I get it, okay? Point fingers at me, I point them at you, but what's the point of judging one another? How about we just judge this instead? Let's ask ourselves... How does what I'm doing affect other people? Does it encourage them in the things of Christ? Or may it cause them to maybe slip a little bit, maybe take a little step backwards? And I was fearful that if I went to Buffalo Wild Wing, not only would I be telling those guys on my team that it's okay to go to places like that that serve alcohol, and I'm sure a couple of them did drink alcohol, and uh, at least they acted like it. But anyway, uh, just, you know, the way they played basketball, they couldn't even shoot straight. But anyway, the fact is, is is that I wanted to be very cautious, right? I wanted to be careful. So it, it wasn't a matter, I, I wasn't mad at them. Oh, let me, uh, next devotion, I'm preaching against Buffalo Wild Wing. No, had nothing to do with that. No, I, I didn't personally believe it was a place that I, as a Christian, or I, as a dad, or I, as a preacher, or I should be. I didn't want my kids to follow me into that place. I didn't feel that way. Now, wait a second. I'm thinking about others, right? That's why I didn't do it. Do, could I have gone there and ate a few wings and never once drank a, uh, uh, you know, a, a big old uh, you know, liter of beer? Yeah. Put a big Coke in there. I'll drink it up, man. Eat me some wings and watch some football. And I'd like it. But I got to thinking how it will affect others, right? Let me give you another example. And again, what you do is up to you. But hold on, think about this. This is why I did what I did. For instance, there's this thing called, years ago there was this thing that came out and it was called um, TV Angel. And and what it did was it took out like cussing and, and things like that, I guess. And I'm not sure what else it did, but I heard that it was pretty effective and it was pretty cool. And that you could watch certain movies and you could eliminate all the junk and I thought, man, there are some movies I would love to watch if it weren't for all that stupid cussing and stuff. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys. I like a good movie. You know, they say I should have been in movies, but anyway, you don't believe that, do you? But any, okay. So anyway, I still remember. I remember thinking that. I thought, okay, this is that's cool. Because let's face it, if. If it's on TV, sometimes they take out that, right? Take out the cussing if it's just on regular TV. you got to watch all those commercials. But I thought, yeah, this would be awesome. And I got thinking about that. And I thought, you know what? That sounds great. And, And you know what? There probably wouldn't be anything wrong with me watching the movie if all the cussing's gone and there's no nudity in it and all that stuff, you know, and it's not into all that messed up stuff. And it's not, you know, not bad movies. I'm talking about movies that, like, you know, like, you know, killing and cutting people up. Stuff like that. The good stuff that men love. Right? The violent stuff. Revenge movies. I love it. Don't judge me. But anyway, so but the, the point is, is, that, is that I thought, okay, wait a second now. If I watch a show, see, I have this standard in my life. I don't watch, and, and again, your standard may be even a lot more stricter than mine. I won't watch anything that's at least a PG or less, wait, or more, which is, I don't know which is, be careful with that one, uh, but, but, you know, PG's the lowest I'll go, I guess, on the poll, poll right? Parental guidance, right, it's for 13-year-olds for and up, wait, yeah, 13 and up, I think it is. I won't watch anything that's, it doesn't matter, I, I won't watch some of those too, by the way, you know how it is, you turn something like that on, and next thing you know, it's boom, 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 and you're like, whoa, I just got, the, you know, one, two, three, you know, Okay, we're done. But the point just being is, I got thinking, a lot of movies are PG 13 today. A lot of movies were rated R. Uh, you know what? And people would say, there's no nudity in that show. And I'd think, yeah, but it's rated R. It's rated R. I can't watch an R rated movie. And they, yeah, but this takes everything out. Oh. I got thinking, can you imagine if I watched that movie? And I went and told somebody, hey, yeah, did you see that show? That was an awesome scene. Remember when so-and-so did this and did that? And they're going, oh, he watches the same stuff I watch. He's a preacher, so it must be okay. Either that or I got to keep going around going, by the way, I got, got, what's that thing called? TV Angel. It takes all the cussing and all the bad stuff out. And then I was watching this show and every single time. I thought, it ain't going to work. Oh, Pastor O'Donnell watches that show. Pastor O'Donnell watches this show. Pastor O'Donnell sees that. Oh, Dad watches this, and Dad watches that, and Dad watches this. And You get where I'm going? And I got thinking, for me, I, in my house, we're not going to do that. I was just worried how others would be affected by it, that it might cause them to stumble. And then I'll be preaching against something. <laughs> and they're going like, you hypocrite. You watch the same shows I watch. I know that junk's in there. <laughs> no, it isn't. I got TV angel. <laughs> I'm a good Christian. You know where I'm going. Okay, so you understand what my point is. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not, some of you might, maybe you got something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I do want you to be careful, though, because a young Christian may come along and say, what do you watch? And you say, well, I watch this and this and this. And they go, really? Oh, and I thought that was bad. I guess it's okay. And then they start watching it, and maybe they go a step further because you're supposed to be more spiritual than them. Better be careful. All I'm saying is, think about it. Paul's saying, listen, this isn't about whether you eat meat or you don't eat meat. He said the Holy Spirit of God has brought this to a higher plane and the fact is is that judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. That's the standard now. So tonight is and and I I don't have time to finish this up but the best part was to come by the way. So if it wasn't that good yet it was only going to get better. But the fact is is that We need to set our standard not on, you know, hey, but instead, how's it affecting others? Is it going to cause someone else to stumble? Could it possibly discourage them in their walk or faith? Could it possibly lead them down a path that might go the wrong direction? For instance, in my case, I would hate to think that somebody that got saved out of alcoholism and got you know glorified, gloriously transformed and changed followed me back into a bar because I said, oh, I go here, and it, and they go, well, that says bar on it, and he and he just he went to a bar. It says this. You know. I'd hate to think that my decision put somebody back in a seat and ultimately down the road caused them to get, they were discouraged or maybe depressed one day, and while they were sitting there watching the game, they thought, you know, I'll just have a beer because it's here. And next thing you know, they're right back in their sin again. All because Pastor O'Donnell didn't think about whether it would become a stumbling block for them. And that's all I'm saying is that we all need to be cautious because there may be something even that we do presently that's not necessarily even sinful. But Instead of judging whether or not somebody's judging us about it or whether or not we're right and you're wrong and I have liberty to do this or not, he says, let's not go there. Let's focus now instead on will it become or can it become a stumbling block to someone else? Especially, in this case, a weaker brother, a weaker sister. And truthfully, he doesn't really say it that way. He, he goes on later to, dis, to kind of clarify that, but we just need to be cautious and careful. That's all. And so I just want to encourage you, as you think about some of the decisions you're going to make in life, make that decision, understanding or asking yourself, does it cause another Christian to stumble? That's a, some good criteria by which to make decisions. Yep. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the time we had. Lord, uh, again, I know that in this crowd tonight, the people of God that are here are and they're, they're working, <laughs> they're, they're striving to please you with their life. And <clears throat> Lord, I know that probably the, the things they're watching and doing are good, but Lord, even in our good things that we do, even some of the things that we take for granted that what well, we know aren't sinful, Lord, could there be something that we do that could be a stumbling block or become one to someone else? And Lord, let us, let us judge that instead. Lord, before we make any other decisions, help us to think about others and not just ourselves. Let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.